Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to The Other 99, a podcast to equip the church for community, discipleship, and mission. Uh, we're your hosts. My name is Guy Wimberly. I'm Bethany McFarland. And I'm David Godbold. All right, welcome back to the second part of our interview with Eric George from The Orchard in Tupelo. Uh, it, this is kind of the end of our conversation on our three core ideas behind this podcast of discipleship, community, and mission. And yes, those are out of order, but <laughs> that happens. Um, the main context we've been talking about this with Eric is in how it relates to small groups, but we're going to let him say more about that in just a few minutes. But before we do that, Guy... Mm-hmm. First off, should we mention what's what's different about I was yeah, yeah I was just trying to think how yeah. we should transition so, to that. But. Something's different about today. Um, two things are different about today. First off, Bethany's not here. We're we're really sad about that. She's got family stuff that she's doing, and this is kind of a busy week for all of us. So this was one of the only times that we were going to be able to sit down and, and record this. So it's just me and David today. Bethany's gone. Um, but two. Uh, don't know if you can tell uh, that our uh, we're, we're talking at the same time, which we usually don't do when we're right, three right. and a half hours away on Skype. Um, David and I are in the same room, sitting what uh, up uncomfortably close. Very, his, very uncomfortably close. Uh, we might post a picture if we can. This is fantastic. Yeah. Yes, it has to go up on our Twitter. Right. Um, so, but. Uh, yeah, so we'll get to the interview in a second. Uh, the icebreaker today, David and I are going to share our most embarrassing moments. Uh, so Bethany may, might be happy when she hears this that she, she didn't have to do this. this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, guy, guy had his most embarrassing moment picked out immediately when we settled on this topic. So I'm thinking it's going to be really good. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go okay. last. Okay. That'll because work. That'll mine's work. not that great. Okay. Um. So I saw. I know I probably have a more embarrassing moment than this in my history of mm-hmm. clumsy awkwardness that is my life. But uh, the one that came to mind was when I was a kid. Um. I played soccer most of the time growing, or the first part of my childhood, and then all my friends went to baseball, and so I followed all of them over there, despite the fact that I have no hand-eye coordination, um, or, you know, any of the type of coordination you need Mm -hmm. to play baseball. So, I have a very vivid memory of one year when I was trying out for baseball, we were doing pop flies, which is a machine pitch... They just stick a ball in, and it pops it up into the outfield, and you go and you catch it. Simple. And I was like fifth or sixth, fifth 
or sixth kid back. So I was watching where the machine was mm-hmm. throwing it because I could not do pop flies to save my life. So I got out there and I knew exactly where the ball was coming. So I got a couple of steps away so you know it looked like I was getting under the ball. Mm-hmm. So I get out there, they hit the throw the ball pops up I get to where I know it's going and stick my glove up and it comes right above my glove and hits me <laughs> square in the face and I crumple like a small piece of paper how many kids were out there that day? oh there were probably at least like 30 there you go there was a lot there you go and um they all saw me cry yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right chat so <clears throat> I'm assuming that your most awkward moment does not have to do with being in a Backstreet Boys cover band. No, it doesn't. That's, um, we were pretty happy about that, which, not embarrassed about that. Which makes me excited for what your most embarrassing yeah. moment really is. Right. Um, so I was in, uh must have been 7th or 8th grade. It was my first uh, big uh, youth group retreat. At a at a camp um, with with other churches and other youth groups and and so there were probably two hundred three hundred kids there and uh, David just made a face he may know where this is going so no, I just thought of another embarrassing moment <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, so you know maybe two three hundred kids there it probably seemed bigger at the time than it actually was mm-hmm. as a seventh grader you think everything's huge but. Um, so we had name tags, and, and every retreat I've gone to, I've, I've never liked wearing the name tag because, you know, if it's windy, the wind blows it around. Right, right. And it gets um, all mm, tangled mm, up and mm, strangles mm. you. Yeah, it never actually shows your name. Correct. It's showing the schedule on the back of right, the name tag. Of course. Um, so I just took it off, and uh, I did not know, taken, that to win it back, you have to get on stage and do. A- that year, um, the they made me get up on stage and you are my sunshine. What, little Warby girls? Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that you snorted on the podcast yet. This yeah, is great. I forgot that. Um, <laughs> okay, so... Uh, <laughs> brother, where art thou reference? Oh my gosh. Okay, so... I, uh, this is the problem with us being in the same room. Yeah, yeah. And Bethany not here right. to keep us on track. Yeah. So I get up there to sing You Are My Sunshine and I, I'm singing it to an older guy in our group who came as a as kind of a chaperone. He was still a youth, so he wasn't really a chaperone, but he was just there to help. And um I I I have to sing it to him on one knee into the microphone in front of three hundred um, middle schoolers and, and middle schoolers are offering awful in general now oh, yeah, 300 of them I get down on one knee I start singing and in the middle of it my voice cracks so good <laughs> and every time I even thought about having to get up in front of people and, and do anything for years after I would think back to that moment and would think okay like no matter how good I think it's going to go I'm going to get up and something's going to go wrong because that moment happened. And so happened. not only was it awkward, it was also scarring mm-hmm. for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Traumatic, yeah. <laughs> I was going to go through like PTSD every time I got up on stage after that. <laughs> it didn't. Things were fine. But, yeah. You know, yeah. So, 
Well, we're uh, we're going to drop straight into the uh, second half of the interview with Eric. Um, we're we're not going to sum up too much. Uh, I think kind of where we are in the interview. Uh, Bethany, I think, does a good job of of kind of summing up what we've talked about so far and um, where we're going to next in the interview. So we're just going to drop straight into it and uh, hope y'all enjoy it. Yeah. So just a second to be kind of transparent with our listeners. Um, This is taking a completely different turn than I think any of us were anticipating, which is fantastic. (laughs) And I love it. And we're going to go with it. Um, So now we're just going to, or I am anyways, guys, if you want to jump on board, have at it. (laughs) (laughs) But just kind of look at small groups as a way to manifest all three of these facets that we're looking at, community discipleship and mission. I think that's kind of what we're getting at with the, you mentioned the up in and out, the up being mm-hmm. um, more of the discipleship, growing your connection with the Lord, the in being the community within the small group and the out being how do we reach others and show them what's going on, um, what Christ is doing in our lives. So kind of with that framework, now I'd really like to hear some more thoughts on intentional discipleship. You made a comment about it's really easy to hide behind curriculum when you're in more of a Sunday school or like Bible study type environment and community isn't as big of a factor. So what does more of that balance look like and how can, like, what are some of your experiences in developing others and overseeing the development of leaders to really be purposeful with what you're learning, but not let it overshadow the importance of the relationships being built? Yeah, I think a lot of that, um, a lot of that has to happen really early on with a leader. Um, I think what ends up happening is it's like view small groups leadership no more different than maybe like a first time job or any job that you take. Like you've got this required training that you have to have early on, and then and then at some point um, you kind of fade off the training aspect, and then it becomes kind of as needed. You know, you got a particular circumstance kind of pops up in your job. And so I need help with this or I need help with that. But I think in that required section where I think you as a, a, like as a discipleship pastor and a lot of our, our small group ministry team, we want to be really diligent to kind of talk through kind of some key DNA stuff. This is some of the discipleship and gospel centered stuff that we're talking about. And so one way we do it is we're really intentional to say, we really want you to study these things in the first year. And we kind of pre-select certain things that have that up, in, and out vision in mind. Um, We really try to, in those beginning days and that required training, we really want people to get the end goal in mind. If it is about disciple-making, then um, we want your group to kind of be thinking, or even you particularly as a leader, about multiplication in the long run. Um, in the small group realm, you can't say the word split. It's like you're, it's like we're, we're it's like we're breaking up. Like, you know, it's like the cancerous word. I, I don't, I don't know any way there to put it. Well, I think multiply is a faithful biblical word. It's what we see happen in the book of Acts. Um, you know, in Acts two, you get the the Lord added to their, you know, their number daily. Those that are being saved, and then you get to Acts six, and it, it's they're multiplying. That's the actual language they're using. So. Um, I think that's one of the ways that we kind of help where, where we know that if it is going to be multiplication-minded, and it is, then it is outward, that's the direction, and that's clearly where multiplication is kind of headed towards, then I think 
Um, you have to think as the journey goes on, how do we get there? And so I think that means at some point in time, the leader kind of has to, you know, that whole leadership mantra or idea of, I, you know, I do it, you watch. At some point, it's, you know, I do it, you help. <laughs> and at some point, they're doing it, and then you're helping. And, it, and, and I, yeah, I think at some point, they have to kind of like, they're going to take the reins on it more and more. And so giving leaders, our small group leaders, the ability to kind of discern, hey, who are those future leaders in mind that could do that? And, um, and, and just kind of allowing people to kind of step out. And so I think you're going to find in a small group as a whole, God, I always find God graciously gives you, you know, certain people that they have certain giftings and skills that they can do certain things, such as maybe somebody hosts incredibly well and somebody, uh, you know, can lead or maybe they're, they're the champion of kind of some prayer concern, whatever prayer concerns, whatever it is. The reality is in every one of those capacities, they can multiply that out. To somebody else in the group even like hey help me lead these prayer concerns you know and so or or help me figure out how to you know be more of a you know a hospitable person yeah and so there's always something you can do with multiplication kind of as the end goal in mind and so all right i think what's cool about what she just said uh, I, I don't really have a question at the end of this i just wanted to <laughs> wanted to underline wanted this. to tag on so yeah just to just to tag on um the discipleship you're talking about is happening in the context of community. And so it's not me going and, and praying my way into being a better prayer champion or whatever. It's kind of being under the stead of somebody who, who already is there because someone else was over them. Um, it's just really cool. And I think it, I'm a, I'm, I'm learning more and more than I'm a perfectionist and, and part of my perfectionism um, includes that, um, I think it's my job to do everything. Um, and, um, and so, you know, it's, it's not my, you know, it's not my job to reinvent the wheel. It's not my job to teach myself that I, that's something that I don't know. And, and kind of in the same way, like we as, as followers of Christ to like, you know, there are people in our churches, people, in our communities who, you know, we can learn from, um, whether that's real people there or, or books that we can read, you know, it's, it's, it's discipleship that's happening in the context of community. I think that's really, yeah. really cool. And, and I agree. And I think that's the thing we have to get a hold of is that we sometimes think about where we're, we think about maturity in Christ and we think about where we're at and where we want to be. And we, and then our instant thought is, what do I additionally need to do? And I don't think the word is addition that we need to hone in on. It's intentional. I think a lot of times we have everything we need in front of us. Mm. And, and really when you look at the word go and make disciples, you know, the fancy word in the Greek is that's an aorist passive. All right, that's going to cause people to fall asleep right now if I unpack that. Which I probably, <laughs> I, probably, I probably can't, but I can tell you what it means and how it translates. It means as you are going. It's, it's in the present, it's in everyday life. And so and part of that is you learn through success and failure. I, I'm, I'm grateful that guy, you even confess, you're like, I'm a perfectionist. And I'm like, hey, me too, <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and I think the thing with it is, is that like even just the simple idea of intentional, like we get to prayer time every night, it can become the ongoing gossip session of, and it gets stale and boring. It's just like the curriculum. It's like, it's sometimes where you're like, we're just praying for, 
Susie's aunt's second cousin's cat who stubbed its toe. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like dumb stuff. I don't. <laughs> sorry if I say if I say that outright. I'm just being honest. <laughs> but there are some sincere things that come across the table that people are connected to relationally in their work environments and their families. And I think the instant thing that we can ask is, okay, we could say we're going to pray about it, and we could all not not only pray about it, but like. Could we actually, could we answer it? You know, mm, like, mm. and so we've, we've had to have times too where we just stop and say, maybe the most fruitful thing we can do every night is just say, even if it's just a simple thing like a card. I, I, I mean, there's, I mean, is it money? I mean, like, you get this picture of, I think, Acts 2 of, you know, nobody was in want. I mean, there's so many needs, but, you know, like the, the body, the, the church was meeting those that I think we can still do that in very simple, tangible ways now. If we just stop, listen, pray, and respond, you know, and so I mean, it's totally doable. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, I think it was a couple of years ago. I remember you telling a story about how y'all had a small group that actually like listed out the things they had, their possessions, so that they could live a more acts to kind of life where yeah, they had an inventory. You know, somebody needs this. Okay, let's check the inventory. You know, and that I mean, just that's the stuff that we read about like can still happen. <laughs> it, oh yeah. yeah. It's, and I think every group has to kind of just be faithful for what they have, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got a group right now that it's Christmas season and we've been partnering with a couple of our mission partners. And, and I come to find out that, um, they have, they're providing like 12 plus Christmas meals for people and toys for families. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. this is incredible. And, and but I think they're just being faithful with what's in front of them, you know. And you've got other groups where the, the small tangible thing is they can do this, and it all makes a difference. It's it's all being faithful to kind of this relationship of what is God calling me to do, and what am I going to do about it, and how do we be faithful in that? And and I think it's a story of life that um, we are more than likely to step out in faith in that relationship and community where we're accountable to that. It, I, I'll just speak for myself. I can have a great idea sitting on my couch alone and I am 10 out of 10 times not going to do it, (laughs) you know, but if it's vocalized in the heartbeat of community, the likelihood is people are like, I'll jump on board with that. And before you know it, you're pulling together more resources than you can imagine. Mm -hmm. We've kind of made our way through community and discipleship and and we're already kind of at talking about mission. Um, reaching out to folks who, who aren't connected to, to the body of Christ. Um, how, how have you seen that done well in, in your context? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's multiple ways. I mean, I, I think going back to the idea we chatted before about, you know, Jesus, how do we define community? And you've got different, you know, sizes. You've got crowds, you've got congregation, you've got, you know, this community, this core um, at the orchard, I, you would talk to any of our staff and even many of our, you know, our people in our church um, who love getting on board. Uh, twice a year, we throw big parties at a park, you know, and so there's that component that really reaches big crowds. Those are fun, you know. We do like a big Easter egg hunt. We do uh, a do a big fall festival, and so I think mission happens practically in that way to the crowd. And, and I think our intention with that always is. Um, you know, I've, I've heard somebody once say Christians aren't really known as the party crowd, which is, which is, which is true. 
Um, but it's crazy because Jesus, I mean, like, what's the first miracle that he does? He turns water into wine. And so, like, Jesus essentially keeps the party going. And we think about even this mm. image of how the whole story is going to end. It's this wedding image. And so there's something celebratory about that, you know. Um, weddings can get crazy. They involve a lot of dancing and a lot of fun. So, you know. But I like that picture of knowing that, it, once again, come back to the idea of it's it's one, something worthy to be celebrated about. And so we want to throw great parties for our community um, where people can gather. And our intention behind that is we want to have what we call first conversations with the hopes and the anticipations that we can have the second conversation, the third conversation, and the fourth conversation. And so we have seen people have come to these parties in the park and it's been, you know, the thing that's kind of introduced the conversation and we see them eventually come to our church, you know, and that's a cool thing. Um, we have other mission partners that we partner with in town, very intentional and have relationships. Um, our philosophy at the Orchard has always been um, using the language you even talked about earlier. We don't want to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just want to figure out where, where God is already working and moving in our community and just to say, hey, how can we help? You know, um, a big win for us this this last year in, in 2016, which is evidence of this, is in, in years past we've helped our DHS system here in town to help um, kids who needed Christmas gifts, who needed to kind of adopt a kid type of thing. Something happened in our community that we don't have a pulse on yet, but the number of kids that uh, DHS kind of got entrusted to, it blew up. Mm. Um, and we had we had... I think it was like 170 or 80 DHS kids that needed Christmas gifts in our community. It was a lot. Um, in the previous year, our church would do about 20 of those. Um, the, the cool thing is we brought the need before our people, and in one Sunday we had 190 people respond. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we didn't, we're not organizing that. They're doing that, but we're just figuring out how we help out with that. And so whether it's DHS or it's Salvation Army, um, another one we do here locally that I love is um, all studies show. This is once again, how do we partner with local schools? Um, we do a somersault program. It's what we call it. It's basically a, a reading program um, where you know all studies show that if kids don't get to that third grade mark and are able to read sufficiently, that they're just going to get behind. And it's a perpetual cycle that continues to get worse and worse. And you can get into all these technical studies about, you know, what that looks like for future, you know, uh, incarcerations and kind of all these other systemic things in society we don't like seeing. Um, and so we we help employ local teachers, you know, in our community that want to love kids well and do a summer reading program, you know. And we get to teach the Bible as a part of that, and, and that's, that's a great thing. Um, we think that that makes our schools better, that makes our community better, and it makes families better. And so I love that. Um, but all around, like, you know, my favorite thing as a whole is, or those are some intentional things I'm telling you about, is the emails that I get at times from small group leaders who um, think, again, additional versus intentional. They're thinking of intentional great ideas that we have not even have thought about. You know, they're, they're figuring out what's going on with their neighbors. Or they're figuring out what's going on in their workplaces. And they are just in simple ways just stepping up to the plate and they're making it happen. And so um, I love hearing stories like that, you know, where I uh, think about even one small group in particular recently where a woman, um, the small group was out to eat. So they're going to, everyone loves to eat. Who doesn't like to eat? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. My bad. 
Um, I love to eat as well. And, and they just heard the story of this waitress who was, you know, it was just a rough, rough story. And she needed money for college books. And so done. It made it happen right there on the spot. A very lavish tip, you know. Um, that's just a matter of listening. I think the art of listening is one of those uh, things we don't, we, we're not present at times. We don't do it really, really well. And so just listen, once again, hearing people's stories and then just faithfully saying, what could we do? What could we step into? And and so small groups do that really, really well. Um, my personal favorite that I like, you talk about personally, um, I'm a part of a small group, lead a small group here in our, in our community that all of us live in the same neighborhood, which is really cool. And uh, we like to throw block parties. And so it's a great way to have those kind of first conversations with people and um, uh, get the chance to, you know, meet my neighbors, kind of no strings attached and, and just kind of see where those conversations go. So. so we've talked a whole lot about the, the Orchard Tupelo site, which is the site where you work as the uh, discipleship pastor. But the orchard itself is, is kind of a, uh, a network of churches that's got churches all around North Mississippi. And so as as a result of that, you have churches being planted in a whole lot of different cultural contexts. So one of the questions that I had was, was how do you see mission taking different forms based on the varying, varying contexts that y'all are coming across? And, and what advice would you give to someone to help them discern the needs of the context wherever they are. Yeah, I think that comes back to uh, just intentionally listening, you know. <clears throat> I think Jesus is always, uh, you know, kind of listening uh, to what the Father has in store. You know, I don't do anything unless I see the Father telling me to do it and kind of this listening upward or forward Um being in tune to what, you know, what, what, what he would want him to do. But I think part of that comes back to as well as, okay, God, I'm available. I'm open. What do you want me to do? But then also turning your ear into the story of your community. And so, um, well, that means you meet with your mayor and kind of hear the stories that are going on. How do you, how do you partner with things that are already, um, happening in your community and, and figure out how do you rally people around that? And so I, I think, I think those stories are going to naturally kind of come up. And so if it's in the context of a kind of even talking about a small group or even a Sunday school, like, Hey, what are you hearing? What's going on? And so I think it, it is look a little bit different in every community. Um, but the beauty is how do we just, how do we be faithful with what we're entrusted to? And so, um, yeah. Sweet. Um, we, we've kind of talked about this kind of as we've moved, you know, further and further on in the conversation, we've talked about, you know, just, um, the fear of being known and being transparent. We've talked about, um, kind of wanting to do things ourselves or, or comparisonism. Um, what, what are some other common roadblocks that you see, you know, I, I, I don't think any uh, any person listening to to this conversation or, or the episodes that we've done before would say like, no, I don't want those things. Like, I think people do want these things, but but, but what are the what are the things in our lives that there was some common things in our lives that hold us back from the life that God wants for us, has for us. 
Um, yeah, I haven't had a haven't had a chance to <clears throat> excuse me to, to look at it yet. But a, a buddy of mine on our staff threw across my desk yesterday a uh, a study done by Barna and the Navigators, which Navigators has had a huge presence in disciple making uh, in the last uh, so many years in American culture and, and beyond. And this huge report it was all on discipleship. You know, one of the major and it, it's not earth shattering here. One of the huge things is just busyness. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I I think we we how many conversations do we have day in and day out where it's like, you know, how you doing? Busy. I mean, we just it's like it's it is like we just comes off the tip of our tongue without even thinking about it. And I think we wear that like a badge of honor sometimes. That is really not necessary. I'm okay. We're all busy. Okay. And I, I think it comes back to that intentional idea is like, or right, what are we doing with that? And so I think busyness is one of those things. I think patience as a whole, you know, I've heard it said before that, you know, discipleship is, it's, it's not a microwave. It's a slow cooker. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a slow cooker. And um, being comfortable, you know, with the fact that, um, I think we look for that instantaneous results, you know, in, in, a, in a world that says, I can sit down and watch the infomercial and, and in 30 minutes, shoot, not even 30 minutes, in 10 minutes, I'm like, yeah, I need that, you know, and it looks like I'll be that way in 30 days at, at best, you know, and so it's, it just, it's the magic bullet and it, it doesn't work that way. Um, you know, even look at the way the Gospel of John ends. You know, Jesus, even after post-resurrection, he's having these corrective moments with Peter. And that's us, you know, that's us three years later. And so being patient with it, but not, I would say also too, not under, I think we underestimate too, you know, uh, what can, what can happen in a, in a lifetime? You know, I, I think we look at it and we overestimate, I heard this phrase before, we overestimate what can happen in a year, but underestimate what can happen in a decade, or you could say even three to five years. And so mm-hmm. um, really, really being okay with the idea that this thing takes a while and, and it is about progress and it, it is not about perfection. Um, I'm even mindful of the words that, you know, kind of uh, Paul talks to Timothy here, at the you know, the beginning, uh, it's the fourth chapter, I believe, of, of First Timothy. And uh, you think about this idea of up, in, and out, uh, I'll even just read this to you. I'm just kind of flipping through my Bible as we're as we're talking here. But he says, uh, "Don't let anyone think of you less you because you're young. Be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, your purity. Until I get there, focus uh, on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. This is really a picture of that up in and out life. You know, he says, "Don't neglect your spiritual gifts which you received." Uh, give your complete attention to these matters. These are these are discipleship matters here, and throw yourselves into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. And he says, keep a close watch on how you live and on your teaching. Stay true to what is right for your own salvation, and to the salvation of those who hear you. And it really is this kind of up in and out life, and um, we underestimate progress. You know, progress is not only what Jesus expects of us; it's something He graciously gives us which is really cool. It's a work in progress. And so, but the impact of that, even what Paul is saying to Timothy is, hey, this has benefit not only for you to continue to be walking to salvation, this is a bigger picture. This is justification and sanctification here, but also for those 
who are hearing you and seeing that message observed in you. So I think busyness and patience are two of the biggest things. I know you all talked about in previous weeks about consumerism. Mm -hmm. It's huge. You can't skirt around it um, in a culture that's, you know, has a thousand different messages eyeing for our attention. Um, and we so easily will are bent towards what we, what we want and not what's probably best for us at times. And, uh, yeah. And I think the bottom line, I come back to it time and time again is one of the biggest pitfalls is that people just don't know what it looks like. Mm. You know, they just don't like, I even think about my own story. I mean, I grew up in the church, but it wasn't until my college years that I really, I got to see discipleship for what it really, what it really could be and what it is, you know? And, um, it's a truth is an axiom, you know, I can't be what I do not see. And I think people long for it. They just don't know where to look for it. And so they just don't, they just have never seen it. And so it is really kind of hard for us to expect something of somebody who we don't take the time and the patience and to carve out our busy schedules to actually show them what that looks like in everyday life. So that means vulnerability. I need you to give you access to my life more and more um, in every area. And I think that scares scares us to death, the thought of that, because, um, man, that means me, people are going to have to see the messy areas. They don't have progress yet. Does that make sense? And so mm-hmm. I had a buddy who uh, was discipling for a couple years, and he showed up. He shows up unexpectedly at my house, uh, him and his wife, and knocks on the door, which I give him the freedom and the right to do that. And I mean, I just like, I just yelled at my kids and there's no grace coming for me whatsoever. And he knocks on the door and I was like, well, come on in, buddy. You're going to see how discipleship is not happening tonight really well, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but that's a part of the progress and the process of saying, Hey, like I need grace in this moment and I don't have it figured out and I'm learning and uh, we're in this journey together. So so we usually like to kind of end our podcast or the main content of our podcast with a few application points for our listeners. So kind of taking this back to small groups and how we see community discipleship and mission all manifested in that context. Um, for those listeners of ours who are maybe part of a group that something just isn't quite clicking or maybe it's a group that's kind of grown stale or they're just wanting to take it to the next level what advice would you give them i would say um a couple things one what we shared before come back to sharing your stories take the time uh, just to stop from the study hear me on this the study is important i don't want to i don't want to devalue that Um, but stop and to say, in light of everything that we've read, here's two key questions. It's easy to come back to, you don't have to prep that night. What is God calling us to do and what am I going to do about it? And so I would say, ask those two pivotal questions on a consistent basis. Stop every three or four weeks and ask them. In that, you'll have people will have the opportunity to share their stories. And, And that'll be a powerful thing where you can continue to encourage and speak into it. Um, I would say set up boundaries, um, accountability systems where you actually go out and serve together. Um, at the Orchard, we try, to, we try to press down to our leaders what we call a 3-1 covenant, which means we want you studying three times out of the month, but we want you also serving in some capacity that other week. And so I'd say it's a very practical thing. 
Um, I'm always mindful of, you know, you look back on the story of American history, that's some of the, the most tight-knit, when you think about community, one of the tightest-knit generations is you think about, uh, in particular, men who were soldiers in, say, like World War II, you know, that they instantaneously have this glue and this gel about them. And I think it's because they've served together in something that's bigger than themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and I think that can happen when you when you get outside of your living room or your den and listen to the stories that are happening in your community or actually have the courage to respond to a prayer or concern at the end of the night. Those will be things that will, I think, take you out of those stale rhythms and be game changers. And, um, and I would say at the end of the day, if it is about progress, it is a process, don't ever underestimate you know, just the, just the discipline of reading scripture together and praying for one another. Um, it, I mean, it makes all the difference. And so um, that's the beauty of having your story collide with God's story. And so those are just a few things that I think are things we do often and then things that maybe we don't do as much, but it's kind of that whole up and out idea. And I would tell people, wherever you feel like the one that's lacking, if it's out or if it's in, don't hesitate. Run towards that and uh, and do the hard work. That's awesome. Well, again, um, we, we hope you enjoyed um, the interview with Eric George. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at, at Eric. Is it Eric George or Eric, Eric M? M? George. Eric M. George. M as in moo or mower. Right. Or Mufasa. There we <laughs> yeah, because so, a little known fact, Eric's middle name is Mufasa. Yeah, yes. Eric Mufasa George. Um, I think that's a family name. I believe um, so. <laughs> so um, this is we'll, gonna be the last time Bethany realizes we're <laughs> together. Um, so we'll uh, we'll close out like we always do with with uh, everybody's favorite segment, recommendation station. What what? Chugga chugga choo choo. Um, my recommendation this week um, is uh, the Carrie Newhoff podcast. Um, I I just started listening to him. He has a he has a good interview with a pastor named James Emery White about um, just where things are at in our culture and, and post Christian culture and that kind of thing. And, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. But uh, that that podcast is is really strong and good for thinking about how to live missionally and kind of the same things we've been talking about the last few weeks so that's my that's my recommendation that's going to be a good one for you to link to through the show notes because if we sat here and tried to spell out newhoff yeah we did it wrong right Mm -hmm. um my recommendation is a bible in a year plan it is actually a specific bible in the year plan that we're doing with our small group at church that kind of links back to the recommendation I had for the first part of this interview episode. So my recommendation is the Bible Project's Bible in a Year plan. When this drops, it'll be, I believe, the 11th. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yeah, something So like that. if 11 days isn't, isn't too far into the year, if you want to get on track for having done it from the first you can just power through the first 37 chapters of (laughs) Of Genesis Genesis tonight and pick up with Genesis 38 in the morning. 
That's um, a good place to pick up, Judah and Tamar. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> right. So, you know, you get you get a good yeah. gist of everything just yeah. right there. Um, or you can, you know, start today yeah. and finish on the 10th of next year. Um, that'd be really good. Mm-hmm. And there's also a really good app that goes with this. Um, I think it's called Read Scripture. Uh, so check that out. We'll probably figure out how to link that into the the notes as well. Um, it's got theme videos and and videos for each book of the Bible that kind of help you understand what is going on and how this connects to the greater overall story of Scripture. So that that's why I'm recommending this specific one is because of the resources they provide mm-hmm. you along with it. That it's not just a fly by night. And it's and it's a smartly laid out plan. I'm not doing it, but I've looked at it, and it's you know I think most plans are typically just like you know okay the next four chapters every day or the next three chapters every day, and and so like when you get into the first part of First Chronicles where it's you know just names for ten chapters, which means names for three or four days. Well, one right. of one day of their rather than spreading that out over three or four days, they have you just skim that in one day. I think. The, you know, so kind of the more I hate to say boring, but but kind of the more tedious parts, you you just kind of fly through. Um, that way, you don't get you know you don't give up on it because you've gone through three or four days of right right Hebrew names. I know. Last time I attempted to do a buy one a year, it took me about five years, and part of it was because mm-hmm. I spent like ten days reading mm-hmm. Bagats, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so then I would lose interest and come back a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, so get it all over with, and then yeah, yeah, power through, yeah. power through. All right, well that's all we have today. Um, we'll be jumping into a new series starting, I think, next episode, mm-hmm. talking about different spiritual habits to grow closer to God and uh, to walk daily with the Holy Spirit. Um, but between now and then, if you like what you hear, we ask that you subscribe, rate, and review us. It helps with the magic goo that is the inner workings of the iTunes podcast library to get us in front of more people. So we ask that you do that and also reach out to us on our social media platforms and on our email you can get to us on uh, where are we? You can get to us on Twitter and Instagram at at the other nine nine pod, or on fate our or our Facebook page, which is just the other ninety nine. And you can also email us at the other ninety nine podcast at gmail All of those are in the show notes. All of those are different. All of that is confusing, (laughs) but we really want to hear from you because we try to make it to where you get to know us a little bit each day, but y'all are all out there on the other ends of some headphones, and we don't get to see you every day. We'd like to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Um, So give us a shout out. Let us know who you are and what you want to hear us talk about or what you want to not hear us talk about. Uh, that's all I've got. You got anything else, guy? No, I'm good. All right. That's it. We'll see y'all. Peace out. I gotta get a picture of this.
You can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.